Welcome to Montana Market Watch Podcast with Joe Cummings at Yeri Lambros. Please tell a friend about our podcast. We keep it real, relevant, and occasionally have a few laughs. Have you changed the oil in your home? You wouldn't think twice about changing it in your car, but your home needs it too, but it isn't oil. It's deferred maintenance items. Those crucial home systems can radically affect your home value and your cost of ownership. Today's podcast is about saving you real day-to-day money and ramping up the overall value of your home when you go to sell. Let's shed some light with one of the best inspection companies in the business. We have a great podcast coming with Tim Netsley. He's been on our show before, uh, one of the best inspection companies uh, in Western Montana. And today's topic is deferred maintenance. And what does that mean? How does it apply to homes that we inspect for buying and selling? And also, probably a useful tool for you to have in a, a home that you already own and you may sell in the future. It's good to keep track of these, what are very expensive assets and how to take care of them. Thanks for coming on, Tim. Thank you for having me again. Yeah. Um, so let's just start with that. Um, deferred maintenance. And let's, let's kind of define that by homes need to be maintained. And we had kind of chatted before the podcast started. Uh, Tim, could you tell us like the three things that you see, the top three things that you see affected by deferred maintenance? Well, we talked about watershedding last time, mm-hmm. which was a, uh, is a big deal all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things combined with that, we also mentioned then, was uh, the landscaping and how that can affect that. So we see the landscaping neglected, we see the the uh, the siding, the roof, those kinds of things neglected. Mm-hmm. We see you know the barbecue up against the siding or you know whatever that kind of stuff that we will <clears throat> that not maintained properly ends up leading to expensive repair costs instead. And then uh, and then next would be the HVAC system. Typically is uh, ignored because it's stuffed away in a closet somewhere. You don't have to think about it as long as it works. So what? I, bought, I just bought a new house, Tim, and um, it's got a brand new furnace in it. Mm-hmm. How often, what should I be doing so that my brand new furnace lasts more than 10 years? You should be looking at your filter. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's a simple, uh, it's a simple little, little thing, you, but you should be looking at that seasonally. So four times a year, probably changing it out that often, maybe changing it out twice a year at least. Uh, the reason being is you know, a dirty filter is not just a dirty filter. A dirty filter is suffocating the system. So you've got the blower fan in there that is working harder to, to pull air so that it can push air to you uh, through a dirty filter. And, and uh, the whole, all, the, all those components will fail faster if they're not allowed to breathe, so to speak, if they're not allowed to work. So change the filter at least twice a year. Yeah. Okay, so I'm changing my filter three times a year because I'm, I'm taking care of a furnace. What else? If you do the full annual maintenance list, then you're going to be looking at the gas piping. If there's gas piping, mm-hmm. you're going to be looking at the, at the individual components inside of a furnace or a boiler system or any of that kind of stuff. You want to make sure that everything is uh, look is clean, okay. and is is continuing to operate properly. So you're going to work it through its cycles and watch it go through its cycles. And 
notice if anything seems out of whack, then you're going to have to take care of it. That's why we typically recommend that a technician, you have a technician come in and do it. I mean, it's cost, I mean, a couple hundred dollars a year. It should be an annual thing. But uh, that couple hundred dollars a year can save you these days 10 to 15,000. 15,000 for a new furnace. Well, that's a whole new system, but a, 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 whole, a new furnace by itself is going to be somewhere up to 5,000, given our uh, supply issues that we may have today. And what, what's the life of a furnace? Because, I mean, we've looked at, you and I have looked at some houses where it's like a 1960s furnace, but it's really well taken care of. Yeah. And it'll rock and roll. Yeah. And you look at other ones, you're like, you need to get in here and clean this. Yeah, we've seen uh, 10-year-old furnaces that are just in horrible condition. Really? And we've seen, like you said, you know, uh, 50-year-old furnaces, 70-year-old furnaces that are not up to today's standards for efficiency, mm -hmm. but they're functioning perfectly still because they've been maintained. You know, uh, so the lifespan of a furnace, they say, is about 25 years. 25 years if you take care of it. Yeah, if you take care of it. Okay. Um, one of the other, I guess I've always kind of wanted to ask this, um, one of the other systems that we see um, is we see boilers, and I don't know a lot about them. Boilers are either the in-floor heat or then the, I guess you'd call them strip or register. What do you call them? Radiators. Radiators. And we see them in really high-end homes. Um, we see them in some middle-priced homes, too. Boilers provide heat by passing water through, right. through radiators. Right. What's their, what's their schedule to keep track of? Again, you should, you should have a technician come out and take a look at that annually, and that's even more complicated or can be than a furnace where it's all in one, uh, in one unit of equipment because a, a boiler's got several little pieces in that system that all have to work together. You know, there's different kinds of valving, there's, there's zoning, there's, uh, there's going to be pumps, recirculating pumps maybe, the, the boiler itself, expansion tanks. Uh, air vents, all that kind of stuff, and, and typically what you see with a boiler system is the the staining from the air vent leaking. It's doing its job. It's really it's taking air out of that hydronic system, is what it's called, uh, where the all the piping goes throughout mm -hmm. the house. You've said before that system needs to be flushed in inspections. What the the the, the piping? Not during inspections. Not during inspections, but as a maintenance item. As a maintenance item, it may. It may need it. I mean, the technician will have to decide if that's if that's something. But it typically doesn't have to be flush, but it does have to, you have to get any air entrainment out of the system. Okay. And do boilers last longer than furnaces? Typically. Typically, yeah. they do. If, again, maintained. You can look at 40 years or so. So I've got, I got boiler, got boiler by itself, you know, radiant, whatever. And then I've got, I got an HVAC, I've got a furnace. Well, then I've got AC units. Yeah. I've heard uh, that some AC units, when they get too old, you can't get the same refrigerant that you could get before on them. Is that? Well, we have classified some refrigerants that were used in the past as hazardous waste oh, and, and as environmental hazards. So uh, you can't, they can be, most of the ones we have today can be converted uh, if they need to be. Really? Yeah. But, uh, but the really old systems, sometimes you just have to scrap them that they, they can be converted but it's it's basically rebuilding the, the system is is a is a air conditioning unit more durable than a furnace 
depends on how it's treated. Okay. Well, how do you treat? Because you don't have a filter on an AC, do you? No, you don't. But if you look at the, so you've got two components to an air conditioning system, and if you've got a forced air system, then you then above your furnace, typically, or at least within next adjacent to the furnace, you'll have a coil that is that is there, and then refrigerant lines running outside to uh, to another set of coils with where your um, compressor and all that stuff are. Mm -hmm. So it's that outside component that we see most often neglected, whereas it doesn't get a cover in the winter time. So all it, it, they should be covered throughout those seasons that it's not in use so that you don't get the collection of leaves and seeds and all kinds of stuff uh, and snow piling up inside there and just sitting there and, and doing whatever damage it's going to do, deteriorating it over time. So I've been damaging my AC unit for some time. You've been shortening its lifespan. You've been shortening its lifespan. <laughs> so an AC unit, that's meant a lot to myself. An AC unit needs a cover in the winter. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Okay. And you need to make sure that it always has proper clearance around it so that it has, a, so that it can breathe. Because it, if it's too close to a fence, too close to the house, too, you know, typically the technician that installs it, they're going to know how far from the house it needs to be. So it's, but, but a lot of times you build a fence near it or you plant a hedge next to it or something like that. Plants grow up inside of it. That shortens a life. Objects being restricting airflow, being too close to it, that shortens its life and its effective effectiveness as well. Okay, so then working through the systems, we're just focused on systems. So uh, it, it got, I got a furnace I got to take care of. I got a boiler I got to take care of. I got an AC unit. Well, you won't have a furnace and a boiler at the same time. Yeah, right. Not the same time. <laughs> right, because the boiler would, a boiler would just be a boiler system because you wouldn't have it wouldn't be vented for AC, you just have boiler, right? Right. Um, are the mini splits, are the mini splits more durable? Well, I don't know if the, the consensus out there, now I'm not a technician, mm -hmm. so uh, from an inspector standpoint, and reading as much as I do from the technicians, there are, there's a love-hate relationship out there with the mini splits. Some, some don't like them at all, others, others do. I think, as with most things, the first few generations were probably the manufacturers were learning a lot from. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Okay, you know? and so they've improved on them. But uh, the there's there are fewer components with a mini split, so you moving part less moving parts. Le fewer moving parts. It's all electronic. There's a there's a, a fan for the inside, and then there's just like the your, your AC system. It sounds like then there's the compressor outside, the, uh, and they. Uh, there's just the refrigerant lines between them. So, so many splits, then working back in, I've got a furnace and a water heater, electric or gas, which is better? Water heaters. <laughs> Whichever's cheaper. Really? <laughs> it just goes back and forth. Really? You know, is electricity cheaper than gas? Oh, you know, oh gotcha, kind of gotcha. Thing. It just keeps cycling back and forth. And I understand 20 years on those if you take care of them, but you got to flush them? Well, they say 10 to 12 years because nobody does. <laughs> okay. So yes, that's another thing that annually, uh, and I've seen this well, maybe a small handful of times in the 20 plus years that we've been inspecting that somebody actually is flushing their, their water heater. Uh, one guy though, he was, he was flushing it every year 
but he was flushing it right into his crawl space, so that wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, as you know, water does it carries minerals and such inside that storage tank. That's if you have a storage type water heater, mm -hmm. then those minerals collect and, and you get a, a buildup of that in the bottom of that tank. And so you have to flush it out to get all those contaminated contaminants out so that the tank doesn't rust as fast. And otherwise you have that stuff, uh, that those minerals just setting down there in that tank and, and eating away at the, at the internal uh, wall there. And, that, and that's usually, actually, Tim and I just looked at an inspection that had a failed, it's the bottom end of the water tank where it's rusted out and it's failing. Yeah. This has never been flushed. Right. Oh. Never been flushed or it was installed in a wet environment because it's a metal case on it, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that paint doesn't, that's on it is only going to last so long if it's in a moist environment. That's why in those environments, if it's going to be in that, you want to have it elevated off of the, off of the ground. Okay, so uh, HVAC boiler, um, air conditioner, water heater. What's another? Is that those would be? What are another main systems we talked about before? Electrical is not really something that's a deferred maintenance item. No, I mean there there are uh, a lot of electrical panels around here that are no longer considered safe by most pushmatic push ite push pushmatics mm -hmm. uh, zinscos we don't have too many around here there's more of those in other plaques we uh, at other places that we've inspected like washington and idaho but and there are there's a recall now on on uh, some recent square d panels the QOs. Really? yeah uh, I think the years, if I recall correctly, were 16 to, to 20 or something like that. There's a lot of those out there, but less so in the houses, more so in the commercial, because it's a QO type. The home line is, if it's a square D in a house, in a house it's most likely the home line. So, hmm. Well, I'll, I guess I'll swerve for a minute here. Um, so I'm just going to swerve for just one minute here, because I just was in a house uh, this weekend. And we're in the electrical system. And you and I have looked at some older homes. Can you tell me what a stable two-wire system means? This is versus, am I saying this right, a, a home that has full Romex pulled all the way through it? Did I say that right? Well, what, like, what would be, what, what, what would you call perfectly wired home today to code. Is that with Romex? Am I saying that right? Romex can be used. Romex is a brand of non-metallic cable. Okay, perfect. Not, Romex is a brand of non-metallic cable. So current... But it's so ubiquitous, it's pretty much the brand. <laughs> okay, all right. So when people say Romex, they're saying it's the good stuff. Yeah, well, yeah. What is the difference between that and a two-wire system? That's when we, you know, these older homes that were you know, university home or something's got the two prong, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. What's the difference? The ground wire. <laughs> so in, by today's standards and for many years now, it's a three wire requirement so that there is a, uh, an equipment grounding conductor in the system. So if something ground faults in the field, the field being inside the house somewhere, uh, 
and not at the service, then it's carried back to the service where it can clear through the operation of the breaker or fuse. Okay. Fuse is going to be on the L2 wire system most likely. <clears throat> Breakers since then. So, Although so in commercial applications, there's still some fuses. So in a two-wire system, a fuse blows, you pull the fuse, and you put in a new fuse. Yeah. In a three-wire system, the breaker turns, mm -hmm. and then you, you turn the breaker back on. Yes, uh, that's how you can do it. And, and that's if you know why you blew the breaker is when right, you want right, to turn right, it back on, right, right. or blew the fuse. You can still have fuses in a three-wire system, but they're typically going to be in a disconnect, like for the AC condenser or uh, or a piece of equipment or something like that. But at the head of that is a breaker in a panel. So you're still you're most likely going to have breakers uh, in a three-wire system for nearly everything. But before you replace the fuse or reset the breaker, you really want to know why it tripped to begin with. Otherwise, as happened several years ago with a uh, on the north side, um, a sweet old lady couldn't figure out why her breaker tripped. She didn't, I don't even know if she investigated, mm -hmm. but she just reset it because that's the common thought mm -hmm. is that well, it just tripped, who knows why, who cares, just reset it things happen you know kind of well half her receptacles in this one room didn't work and what was happening was she had a mixture of generations of wiring in her house because it was an older house and up in the attic one of those uh, terminations that were done by somebody who extended a circuit was was just smoldering until the attic caught fire that's bad yeah that's a that's a poor <laughs> outcome so and I know we're kind of in a swerve here. So what's a stable two-wire system? When you say, well, it's two-wire, but it's stable. Well, there's nothing necessarily inherently wrong or bad with a two-wire system. It doesn't have the ground, so some electronics are going to be affected by the surges that naturally happen, uh, more affected than by the surges that naturally happen with any utility. So... But a stable two-wire system is one that's been was installed correctly to begin with and has been unmolested since. Okay, interesting. Uh, that was our swerve to electrical, but that's not a deferred maintenance item. So, did I miss any systems when we're talking systems to the house from deferred maintenance that you'd added? Plumbing, not really. No, you know, there's there's so many. I mean, we can talk all day about yeah. what could be deferred maintenance, but the biggies are going to be those exterior features that are designed to shed water they're not just there to look pretty it's not just an aesthetic feature you, you you take these water shedding features and you make them aesthetic but that's a secondary concern mm -hmm. or should be so make sure your roof and your gutters and your grating and your siding and all of that stuff is in good condition and you're not putting your planter boxes up against it and you're not holding water in any way water or snow up against the uh, the materials of your house and all that water shedding away. So that's that's a deferred maintenance, and sometimes it's not just a deferred, but it's a misunderstanding of how those things are supposed to work together to shed water away. Because no house is waterproof; it's just designed to shed water. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. and then, yes, the the HVAC is uh, the next. Well, I, maybe it's competing for the most neglected. 
and like I said, it, it's usually tucked away in a closet or stuck in a crawl space or, or whatnot, and so you it, out of sight, out of mind, right? Mm -hmm. As long as it's functioning. But when do furnaces fail? In the winter. When do ACs fail? In the summer. That's because that's when they're needed, right? Mm -hmm. But if they weren't maintained on those times that they weren't needed, uh, then the potential for them failing is much higher. Yeah. Yeah, and, and to give you, so, to, you know, we're talking about deferred maintenance cost. So I, last summer, we, that one, that rental that I have is probably, who probably 50000 to 60000 to reside the whole thing is probably what that would cost. We had been 13 years through paint and it was starting to, uh, well, if I don't paint that, then I'm going to have that $60,000 bill in two years. Right. So you go in and paint it for tw 20 grand and you pick up another, another 15 years on top of it. So I, I guess kind of to listeners is, yes, it's going to cost you some money and time to take care of these, but it, def it if you take care of them, it moves that big capital expense when the actual end of the life lifetime is. Right. Um, and, and Tim and I were talking kind of before the podcast, you know, Tim's main, main business is inspecting with agents or uh, people buying and selling. But when you look at what a deferred maintenance report does for you outside of a real estate sale, so you just own a home and you want to take care of your home, mm -hmm. then you've got a schedule that says, hey, you know, you're, you need to take care of this. That might have some pretty major savings for you just in good home ownership. And, it, and I think Tim and I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, most people don't. They move into the house, they, nothing's broken, and then when it breaks, they buy a new one. Right, as long as it looks pretty, feels mm -hmm. good, and I don't have anything to worry about. And that's, you know, not to anybody's necessarily discredit. I mean, we all have our arenas of concern in life, right? And, yeah. But it's important that uh, if this is not yours, then you have a relationship with somebody whose it is. Yeah. You know? So, or for with whom it is. But we do offer maintenance inspections mm -hmm. and at a much discounted rate of course it's an annual kind of thing where you especially if you're not familiar with construction and with with uh, how a home should function and operate and maintain or if you just don't have time you know mm -hmm. whatever we'll go take a look at it and and uh, give you an idea of what is going to be coming up soonest on the, the failure schedule so to speak everything does fail eventually mm -hmm. right but it fails much faster and is much more expensive if you don't spend a little bit of money and time right now, like you said. Well, and, and what's funny is we, we, we don't even think twice when the, when the oil change light comes on our car, but we don't have an oil change light on homes, and that's what you provide. Yeah. Like, you got an, you've got an HVAC light on here. Yeah. You probably should do that, otherwise you're gonna buy you on a new HVAC um, Some system. Some things along those lines, like new construction, we do a lot of new construction mm -hmm. inspections, and we always try to encourage them to, at that 11-month mark, have another inspection because the warranty's up in 12 oh. months, right? Oh. And uh, and so at the 11-month mark, let's get let's just let's just have a basis, and then if anything pops up that the contractor before the warranty is up needs to take care of, then you've got that for going for you. But then annually after that, whether it's new construction, old construction, whatever, 
an, at least annually. I mean, you can stretch it out further than that if, if you if you like. If you're a little more savvy about the things, uh, you know, back in the day we had a four or six inch binder that we kept. Really paper records of everything you know here's the paint color we used and we you know here's the schedule for doing this doing that you know I mean th there's all kinds of stuff there's there's changing the batteries in your smoke detectors that you never think about until they beep yeah but once they beep it's too late there's the fact that when they're you know 10 years old or, or uh, then they should be changed out entirely if you've got a yellow smoke detector it's gone it's bad <laughs> you know you can't rely on it. yeah carbon monoxide detectors is a newer standard but having gas appliances certainly isn't mm -hmm. you know so having a installing carbon monoxide detectors replacing smoke detectors in the appropriate places with uh, dual function smoke and carbon monoxide detection you know is is a safety feature we've we've all heard or read stories about those who have suffered from carbon monoxide poisoning mm -hmm. Uh, unbeknownst to them because the HVAC system wasn't maintained or because something along those lines you know so some of these things cost you a lot they all cost you more money if you don't maintain them but some of them can turn out to be quite hazardous and even fatal and, and thank you uh, kind of wrapping things back to you know what we're talking about today is taking care of your home and your home is a lot like your car but your, your home doesn't beep at you and say you need an oil change you need you need maintenance due maintenance due so what tim does is provides you know within a transaction where we add on this deal how much deferred maintenance is but also um, in taking care of your home so the thing that i'd wrap into just from selling homes and listing homes when you walk into a person's house that has taken care of it that's tight i was in a house last week was built in the 50s. Most of the components were original, but they were perfect. Yeah. Like they uh, had painted it. I love those houses. Yeah, you felt like you were in a like a 56 Chevy with all original. Everything that they had done in this home, they had taken care of. They'd followed it extreme not extreme, but the right deferred maintenance. That home's worth a lot more money. Hmm. So not only is a deferred maintenance schedule you know, keeping those systems living longer, but when you actually go to sell it, that classic 56 Chevy without the body rusted out and all original, those are worth a lot more. And it also gives a lot of security to a, a buyer thinking this person took care of it. This person changed the oil in the house. Um, so uh, I guess I'd kind of tie things up with this, is a defer taking care of your home is going to be less expensive. Um, is going to be less expensive for long-term ownership. You're going to have to change the oil in it. You're, you're bring Tim in. You're going to have some cost to take care of things. And then when you do go to sell, it's going to be worth a lot more. Well, your home is a liability and an asset at the same time. Yeah, you yeah, know? that's smart. Yeah. Um, well, that, I think that was great. I diverted on the electrical um, a little bit, but um, this was a talk about deferred maintenance and being a, a, a homeowner that reduces their cost of ownership and expands their ability to sell. Um, it gives at, the inspector less to do. Yeah, it gives the inspector <laughs> less to do. And also, isn't calling, uh, he isn't calling an HVAC guy in the winter going, it just all fell apart, I don't know what happened. <laughs> so there's some lifestyle benefits. Yeah. Um, 
Well, Tim, I really appreciate you coming in today. It's always a pleasure. Thanks for um, and uh, Tim Netsley, uh, Inspect Montana, runs a great business. If you're looking for, um, if you've got if agents are listening or clients are listening, he's great to have on site. His crew does a great job. And if you own a home and you want to check your oil in it and your maintenance light, uh, give Tim a call. Um, his contact info will be on the uh, podcast uh, website, and we'll go from there. Thanks, Tim. Thank you.